there's one game that definitely made a huge contribution to the expanded universe and the gaming world. It was, in all for all intents and purposes, I want to say it was probably the first major RPG in the Star Wars universe. Would I be wrong to say that? I don't believe you would. Alan Dean Foster, and this is Star Wars Ties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Star Wars Ties. We're going to be X-winging it today. Uh, I've got my co-host, Mr. Lando Fett, Landon Long, over here with me. And we've also got our uh, guest of honor, Mr. Jeremy Bullock, coming back from the Rogue One commentary we had about a year ago. Hey. How you guys doing? Good. Doing good, doing good. Good, good. Uh, well, Jeremy, it's good to have you back on the show. I know it's been a while, but it's always nice to have a fresh face. Yeah, it's, it's good to be here. And Landon, I guess it's okay to have you back, too. Uh, I'm just that old bum that hangs around and has nothing better to do. <laughs> I thought that was me. <laughs> uh, my students certainly think I'm an old bum. But anyway, we have not actually had a chance to record due to various reasons since before the new year. So happy new year, even though it's the 6th of February. Better late than never. Better late than never. But we've certainly got a lot of stuff to talk about. In the past 24 hours, a lot of exciting stuff has happened. If you can believe it, we had the Super Bowl, of course, a couple days ago since it's Tuesday. But of course, we had the Super Bowl, which had the TV spot for the new solo movie. And then they released the trailer on, was it Good Morning America the next day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys think about that? Uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. Oh, it's it looks really good. I actually – I talked to one of the guys that I work with about it kind of in depth, and we kind of came to the decision that it's really good that they stopped and did the reshoot. I, I don't know how familiar you are with the story of kind of mm-hmm. what happened during shooting, but it looks like it's going to be slightly on the grittier side for – the Star Wars franchise, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that side of this universe because we've seen, you know, Dark, we've seen Sith, but we haven't seen just kind of the backwater where he's coming from. So I'm, yeah. I'm really, really excited. I hope we get to learn what the Kessel Run is. Um, I have a feeling we might have seen a part of that in the, in the trailer. I, I don't know, but that space monster certainly looked like something that might equivalent what about you Landon? i thought it was really really good i watched the teaser part sunday during the super bowl and the first thing that came to my mind is 
where they show him with the Imperial recruiter and he says, I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, they're actually using extended universe Han Solo backstory in this movie. This is going to be really good. Yeah, I know. It was I mean, that's like straight out of the book that we just we just reviewed a little while back. That's uh, right. It's fantastic. I was excited, too. That definitely hit home with me as well. And it actually, I don't know this. Um, again, this is me being completely off the cuff guessing here. But if you noticed, it looked like Woody Harrelson's character was trying to put together a crew that included Lando, a girl or two, and a couple of others. It looked like they were going to do some sort of, obviously, crime-based activity. There's actually a book in the uh, Legends or Expanded Universe that came out pretty close to when you know, they switched over to Disney buying it uh, called Scoundrels. Uh, it was a Timothy Zahn book, if I'm not mistaken, and it's uh, a backstory of Han Solo putting together a crew to pull off a heist. And I was like, well, that'd be cool if they made a connection to that book, too, because that was a really neat story and, and, and tale of, of Han Solo in his pre-Empire and, and Republic days. Uh, another thing I wondered what I was going to pitch at you, Landon, but of course, Jeremy, you're up, you're up for grabs here, too. What do you think of the odds that we're going to run into a young Boba Fett in this movie? Oh, if they borrow from the extended universe or expanded universe, I mean, Boba Fett was very prominent in Han Solo's life in the uh, the final two books of the Hut, or not the Hut trilogy, but the Han Solo trilogy. I know uh, he made his debut appearance as far as being, you know, kind of like the rival of Han Solo in the in the Hut Gambit. And I mean, it would just I thought about that just kind of on a whim yesterday or today. I was like, oh. What a great way to kind of introduce maybe a young Boba Fett or a young adult Boba Fett kind of rising as a bounty hunter and actually still hunting down Han Solo and kind of starting the whole backstory that existed in the universe as it was. That'd be awesome. It would be. What about you, Jeremy? You got any ideas about that? Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that until just now. So that that's really exciting. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it because I immediately think back to the Clone Wars the movie and then series that was produced by Disney, if I remember correctly, right back when they first got the IP for Star Wars. And they included like a whole bunch of different fets in that movie. That's true. So I wouldn't be surprised for them to be willing to say, okay, well, let's introduce young Boba Fett here. You know, maybe Boba Fett's the one behind the scenes, get, you know, who hired Woody Harrelson's character to get the team together. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. You need to read the book Scoundrels. When you get done with Rebel Rising, I'll let you borrow it. Oh, that's such a good book. Uh, and, it, and and you you just tipped on on something that was in that book that just oh yeah, uh, it's a it's a great read. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so there's a lot of potential here, and I know I was I'm going to be one of the first to say it. I'm I'm still very nervous uh, because I'm so attached to the AC Crispin trilogy. But I'm, of course, going to be open-minded and willing to see what Disney's going to throw at us, and I'm certainly thrilled with what they've given us so far. Uh, like Jeremy said, I, I, I do appreciate that it looks like we got a little bit of a grittier movie than it was supposed to be originally. I think one of the original plans before Ron Howard took over was to kind of have it be more of a slapstick comedy, and I was not really looking forward to that. Uh, kind of like a joke western, maybe like... Blazing Saddles or something like that. And I was dreading the prospect of that being the case because I really, you know, Han Solo's backstory couldn't really be that good. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so jaded when we see him in A New Hope. Excuse me. 
So I think this grittier approach and certainly the darker tone that the trailer presents has a lot of promise. We've also got the announcement today. Did y'all get to see that on Facebook or on the internet? Or uh, no, I have not. Am I am I unveiling some news to both of you? <laughs> uh, Disney has made a new hire. They have hired the writers and producers of Game of Thrones to do their own Star Wars trilogy. Ooh. Oh. Like, is it going to be an additional three movies? Hold on, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, from what I understand, it's a completely separate trilogy from the new Ryan Johnson trilogy, and they're just going to kind of give them free reign like they did with Ryan Johnson. Interesting. Basically setting up for another six movies for Star Wars. So Ryan Johnson already indicated that he wasn't going to be doing The Old Republic. I wonder if Game of Thrones or these Game of Thrones creators might get that particular direction. Because I still think Disney's going to do something with The Old Republic. Yeah, I do too. There's there's too much material there not to not to do anything with it. Too much untapped potential. Yeah, too much stuff that's just not been used. At least not in the new canon. I mean, especially since they basically cut the old canon out and and said we're going to restart. There's just so much they could do there. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it, I saw it on the Star Wars show, which is of course that YouTube show that they post. Which listeners, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it's it's a neat little. Short blurb that will give you a lot of updated information. Um, it's basically a video podcast, and it's a lot cooler than what we do, but you're more than welcome to, to check it out and maybe get some updated Star Wars information. I just happened to see it today. Cool. Yeah, and I'm actually reading this right now on StarWars.com, and it looks like they've specifically stated that it's going to be separate from both the Skywalker saga and the recently announced trilogy, so this is actually maybe a little bit old. No, February 6, 18. So it's going to be separate from the original six movies and the new three that it, you know, two of which have come out. So that's a uh, that's exciting, different story. Yeah. So basically, what they've done is they've given Ryan Johnson a trilogy and these guys a trilogy, which means we've got six more Star Wars movies in our future at least. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Which is very exciting. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, well, aside from, you know, watching trailers and reading updated posts, have you done anything Star Wars lately or gotten any Star Wars pickups? Uh, Landon, let's start with you. Oh, let's see. Star Wars pickups. Well, uh, for uh, for my birthday, someone sent me a very nice copy of Empire's End. Oh, I wonder who that was. I wonder. He's a <laughs> he's all, he's all right guy. Better than that Rob Luther jerk. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but got that, and I picked up the first volume on uh, Amazon on the digital comics part of Kindle. The Darth Vader just right after 
uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like that's oh. where it picks up. It's just right after that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading about it. I just haven't had a chance to see it or read it rather. Pretty good so far. Um, I'm just one book into it, but Palpatine's already tasked Vader with obtaining his new Sith lightsaber. Oh, that's cool. So it explains the the red one. It does, and he told him, you know, that Anakin or Darth Vader's just like, you know, why can't I just use the one, you know, from my duel with Obi Wan? And Vader's like, well, first of all, the Jedi stole it, and second of all, you have to have a Sith lightsaber. Wow. And he asked me, he says, well, what's the difference in a Sith lightsaber and a normal Jedi? And it kind of goes into the Kyber crystals about how the Jedi kind of bond with their Kyber crystals and a Sith does the opposite. A Sith does so many despicable things that his kyber crystal bleeds is what they call it, bleeding your crystal. And that's what gives the blades their their red color is they've done so many atrocious things that their kyber crystal is, I guess, kind of ashamed of them. Wow. But he tells him that his task is to bleed his first kyber crystal and make his new Sith lightsaber. That's dark. It's very dark, and he's, like, got him doing all these assassination missions of, like, former clones and things like that to try to get it to start bleeding again. Wow. That's impressive. What about you, Jeremy? Anything up your alley? Um, I think the biggest thing Star Wars related to happen recently was right around when Last Jedi came out. And I know you know about this, but I don't think Landon does, where my office actually closed the day after it came out and the company that I work for paid for us to all go to the movies together to go see that movie. Oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Getting the opportunity to just leave work, get paid to go see this movie because they counted it as billable hours. So I was able to just go to the movie, get paid for going to the movie. Yeah. And there's already talk about doing like, we called that our Christmas party or like a Christmas event because it happened right around that time. And there's already talk about doing like a summer event or something along those lines for the Han Solo movie. Well, I mean, it releases Memorial Day. That could be your Memorial Day celebration. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's cool. So, yeah, excited about that. It, it pays to work with a bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I got a few things and uh, definitely got to do a couple of Star Wars things over the past month or so. Of course, Christmas was, was good to us all, and I was able to get a larger collection of, of Christmas items. A couple things that I wanted to mention uh, was, first off, uh, I showed this to you, Landon, um, and I think I've showed you too, Jeremy, in person. The mug that I showed you guys yesterday, uh, or the other day, rather, depending on who it was, where uh, it uses, like, for the lack of a better word, like classic cartoon technology, you know, how you get a spoon or something in your in your cereal box when you were a kid and you stick it in the milk and because it touched something cold, it would change colors. Uh, well, this, they did the same thing, but with a coffee mug. And this coffee mug, of course, when, when hot liquid gets into the coffee mug, Han Solo and Chewbacca go into light, uh, light speed on one side and on the other side, you get to see the Millennium Falcon taking off and it has a, a quote from the movie. Uh, up here. So it's become one of my favorite coffee mugs. And I'm, I'm using it now as my, my hot tea mug to fight <laughs> off any flu germs that might be floating around the house with lots of vitamin C. But that was arguably one of the fav- my favorites that, that I was able to get over Christmas just because it's a fantastic 
mug and it just brightens your day every chance you get to see you know Han Solo and Chewbacca go into hyperspace. But in addition to that, I was able to – I ran across something that – I'm going to send you guys the link to it. But I'm, I'm going to be honest. I haven't checked out all of the podcasts that this particular parent company, kind of like Retro Junkies, is, is, a, is a parent network of, of a bunch of other podcasts. The podcast that I ran across is called Rebel Force Radio. And I, like I said, I just sent the, the link through Skype. Um, and listeners, I, again, I don't know a whole lot about it. I know it's not quite as, as family-friendly as what we try to do here. Uh, or the Retro Junkies Network in general, but I ran across Rebel Force Radio through an article in Star Wars Insider I was reading in the past couple weeks about Princess Leia's theme, and they mentioned this particular podcast feed had a, sp- a particular podcast called Star Wars Oxygen, and it literally is a musical analysis of John Williams' Star Wars compositions. Uh, so the first – I've only listened to like five episodes, and I'm just now getting into the beginning of Star Wars Episode Five music. He They spent the first four episodes kind of breaking down John Williams' method for writing the music for the movies, some of the inspirations that George Lucas gave John Williams to, to actually write some of the score, and then kind of breaking down bits and pieces of the score to explain what it's supposed to represent on the screen. I mean if you're into – I mean, obviously, as a, as a music major and a band director, this this I was like in heaven. I was like, this is fantastic. I get I get to I get to listen to this for fun. This is awesome. And of course, everybody else I've spoken to thinks it's the worst thing ever because I would do that. But aside from that, I think Rebel Force Radio itself, uh, they've got several shows, most of which look like, of course, they're dabbling into, of course, news or <clears throat> commentaries about the movies, influences from other segments or. Uh, things like that. So I, I highly recommend what I've listened to. I've enjoyed. If you run across something that also kind of screams at you and says, "Hey, check this out," be, be sure to pass it along because it's it's pretty awesome that they've got so much going on. And I like I said that Star Wars Oxygen podcast has just been I've I've loved it. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking this over right now. It does look really cool. I'll have to give it a listen later. <laughs> The first episode, like I had to go all the way back. I think the first episode was back in 2013, which is before they even announced The Force Awakens. And, I mean, it was – the first episode was worth it. Beyond that, the second one, third one, and fourth one were great too. But the first one by itself, it was just like, wow, you know, that's so cool. I didn't even think about that or I already knew that, but it's so cool to hear it again and actually get some background to it. The the guys that do it do a really good job. So – um, and of course, I don't think Rebel Force Radio listens to Star Wars ties, but uh, I might uh, reach out to them and let them know that you know we're giving them a plug just because they've they've done a great job putting together some some high quality Star Wars information. Cool deal.
So let's just jump into this. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is not going to really be focused on any book or novel or anything like that. We realize that there's a particular area of the Star Wars universe, especially the expanded universe, that we haven't really touched on. And we certainly want to express that none of us are experts on any of the things we're going to talk about today. But we're going to dig into the video games of Star Wars. And of course, that is such a broad topic uh, and if you go to the Wikipedia article that Jeremy sent us earlier, it's amazing how many Star Wars games are out there. I doubt we're going to discuss even a scratching of the surface of those games. But we are going to take some time and just kind of you know, swap some memories, tell some stories. Uh, we've got some listener feedback related to the video games. And, uh, of course, we'll, we'll make some connections to the overall Expanded Universe storyline. But the main focus here is just kind of sit back, relax, and talk about some games that we really enjoyed playing. And uh, if anything strikes your fancy or you suddenly come up with a memory after listening to this episode, by all means, reach out to us and let us know. That way, you know, we can, of course, maybe mention it in a future episode, uh, which reminds me, before we go too much further, I would be remiss to not give the opportunity to contact us. You are always welcome to contact us at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Star Wars Ties. Uh, you can also reach out to us via email. Our email is starwarstiespodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter uh, with hashtag at Star Wars Ties. I think I said that right, right, Madam? Yes. Yes, you did. Yep. So by all means, reach out to us and let us know, A, how we're doing, B, uh, whether or not there's a Star Wars gaming memory you'd like to contribute. And also, of course, we'd greatly appreciate uh, some commentary, feedback, or especially a rating on our iTunes. Because uh, the more ratings we get, the more chances we get to reach out to other people and other possible listeners. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this. I don't have a particular plan as far as what game to start with. So... If you had to pick, we'll just throw this out as a, a starter question and see if we spark conversation. Uh, if you had to pick one video game out of all of the Star Wars games you've played that just has the strongest memory, meaning it's the one that you, when you think about a Star Wars game, that's the first one that pops in your head, what would it be? Let's start with you, Jeremy. Hmm. It would probably end up being a toss-up, but what I'm going to go with is Battlefront 2. And I mean the the original one that came out in 2005. I originally got that game on the PlayStation Portable, and my cousins and I all had that game together. And on the PlayStation Portable, when you get close enough, it can use basically an RF signal to play together, because we didn't have Wi-Fi at the time. So we had to figure out a different way to do it. So if we were close enough, we could all play in the same lobby, and we would play multiplayer space battles and you know, planetary battles just in that game. And it's something I spent hundreds of hours just playing on that portable device going from place to place. I, I love that game. That's a great game. I love that game. Uh, what about you, Landon? Oh, let's see. That is a good game. I've recently been playing that one, actually, and did the the planetary, the conquest as the uh, Rebels and had a ball with that. For me, oh gosh, from my early childhood, it would probably be um, a toss-up between oh Jedi Knight to Outcast and Rogue Squadron. I'd probably have to go with Rogue Squadron just because I played that one so much as a kid. That's such a great game. 
It really is. That was in 64, right? That was, yes. I, it's hard to answer my own question. Um, I would probably argue battle, the original Battlefront would be probably mine, but uh, Battlefront 2 is right in there with it. Um, and simply because my brother and I would spend hours playing, you know, the Battle of Endor or Battle of Hoth or any of those original movie battles and just fight each other all the time uh, or on teams, you know, join co-op and, and fight. Uh, so that whole concept, I, I never played online or, or combined with lots of people in terms of like Xbox Live or anything like that. I had it on the Xbox, had two controllers or and then, you know, if some others wanted to join in, they could, and we'd just mass play it. Uh, but I got a, I got a funny story about Battlefront 2. After I graduated college and, you know, got a real job and actually had to be an adult, playing video games kind of fell to the wayside. So I didn't do it nearly as much. But my students knew that I liked to play video games. And for the first several years before they started requiring us to do uh, a new schedule with exams, I'd have a, actually have a student bring an Xbox or an Xbox 360 in. We'd hook it up to my projector, and they would play Battlefront with me. And we'd have, like, Battlefront tournaments after my exam was over on the last day of school. Uh, and, I mean, that that's that, that was awesome. You know, it's, it's great playing with, with some of your students or just with groups of people and just be like, ah, ah, you know, ah, that's not fair. Yeah, it is. I just beat you. So, um <laughs> I love the Battlefront games, especially when you had the opportunities to to play those multiplayer. So, what was your in the Battlefront games? What was your favorite? Was it the space battles or the terrain battles that were your favorites? Mm, that's a good question. I'm probably gonna be one of the weird people and say I really like the space battles in that one. Oh. I was going to say the exact same thing. I much preferred the space battles, just because they always felt like they were on this epic scale yes kind of you know going back recently and playing it again i've realized that they're not nearly as epic as they <laughs> as they felt back in the day just you know i've played games that are so much more expansive at this point but back back when this came out taking you know a minute to fly from one fighter to the next that's a big map yeah it was huge yeah and the amount of uh, flack and you know times you'd get shot at. I mean, it was just amazing to think about how many both friendlies and enemy ships were around you the entire time you're in that map. I mean, I played it the other night and I'm just sitting there thinking, my gosh, I'm getting shot at every second. You know, I, I can't even find the people that are shooting at me. There's so many ships flying around. Um, it was amazing. But I, if I had to pick, I'd still pick the land battles. But I think the main reason for that is because before even a couple days ago when i played this game again i'm pretty sure i always played the capture the flag version of the space battles which basically means whoever you know knocks out the the own just like the the land version where you have to you know claim the territories and stuff like that so i would literally fly over to the other ship invade it and then just kill all the people on the ship and then claim the ship and then the game was over but if you actually do the the version where you're actually trying to blow up the other ships or knock out enough enemies or whatever to, to make it a win, that's such a such a good game and such a great concept. I mean, it's it's just a constant war. That that was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. I did also really enjoy playing the hero battles. Uh, just being able to pick a side and play as, you know, favorite characters from the movies or favorite characters, um, you know, even ones that didn't have big roles, just uh, selecting them. And I felt like some of them had duplicate kits, but a lot of them were unique. So they all had something special that they were good at, and they all felt different. So you could get really good with one and then swap over to something else, and you always had a new experience every time you played it, yeah, which was nice. It was. Oh, yeah. Uh, who was your favorite hero in that one? I like Darth Maul. Just being able to use yeah, the double yeah. saber. For the, for the dark side, I was a big Darth Maul fan. For the light side, maybe Mace Windu. Oh, that's a good one. Because he was he was the one if you played on the Coruscant on uh, level, right? Didn't you end up playing as Mace? Oh gosh, it's been a while since I've you, done a. I know you get Obi Wan Kenobi every once in a while, but I'm pretty sure you got Mace Windu on certain locations. And I really liked, you know, I always liked his fighting style. It was always one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you got him on course. Yeah, because you're in the Jedi Temple for that one. Mm-hmm. All right, so what was your favorite location? If you had to pick uh, either Battlefront or Battlefront 2, because all the Battlefront locations were in Battlefront 2. Hmm. I'm, I think I'm going to go with, uh, with Hoth. I really liked that one. I did too. Hoth was a good one. Because you had the tunnels in the back. Uh, from the rebel base where you could actually knock out like two or three different locations. Yep. And then you had the big field where the walkers and the ships and millions of people yeah. are running around. That was, that was a great one. I liked, I always liked indoor for some odd reason, but Hoth was definitely a, a favorite. Yeah. I, I'm actually taking a second here to think back on the maps to try to think of one that I didn't like. And Yavin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if there were any, it was that. But even no, that's not bad. It was just, like scale one to ten, that was a seven among a, a yeah. group of tens. Was, that was, I mean, that was really a brilliantly built game. They they designed the original Battlefront was great, but the, all they did was with the heroes and the stuff like that that they added into Battlefront two and the space battles. They just made a great game even better. And it's kind of hard to to fathom that they didn't make a third one like that. I mean, I know that the new Battlefront games have some similarities, but they're not the same. Yeah, so this is this is where I get up on my high horse and I say they're just they're not as good. And I think they're not as good because they lost their identity. Where yeah, they're they're gorgeous, gorgeous games because they use like movie quality graphics and things are just beautiful. But it ends up just being your standard first-person shooter. It's it's like Battlefield with a Star Wars skin draped over it instead of being a Star Wars game. And I know the original ones are kind of close to that, but they felt different than Battlefield at the time. But these new ones that have come out just feel like I'm playing the same thing, but now I have laser rifles and plasma grenades instead of standard military gear. And that's disappointing once you get past that facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They, the new ones just don't have any personality to them like those old games had. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like there's just something special missing. Yeah, and it may not even be in the gameplay. It may just it may be somewhere else. But there's something that makes it a real Star Wars game that those games are just lacking, and it's disappointing because they are they're good games and they're gorgeous but i 
they can never sit down and just marathon play one of those games. I could play it for an hour and then mm-hmm. I have to put it down. I could play those original yeah. Battlefronts for hours if I had the opportunity. Like I said, the other it's been a week or two, but I put in Battlefront two just after everybody was in bed and it was a Friday night or something and I didn't have anything else to do and I didn't have to get up early in the morning. And I only picked like three maps to play. I didn't want to play very much, but it looped and I didn't even I didn't think yeah. Oh, I'm playing the same map I just played 15 minutes ago. I just kept going. I'm like, oh, this is this is so much fun. And then finally it dawned on me, oh, you know, I've played Hoth three times. I, I probably either need to turn this off or give myself some more maps to play because it was just so good. And, you know, you could pick which side. I mean, they were just such good designs. The the Star Wars Battlefront games for the Xbox or PC or the, the 2000, early 2000 releases were, were great games. Well, to dig back a little further, what is the earliest or oldest Star Wars game you remember playing? For me, um, I hate to admit this, I know I've probably played some of the SNES games perhaps as as emulators, but I never had a, an SNES, so my oldest Star Wars games would have had to have been on Nintendo 64, and I distinctly remember that the first Star Wars game I ever got on Nintendo 64, first game I ever got for Nintendo 64 that I can remember was Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer. I that was a good game. game. I remember my cousin got that with his uh, Nintendo 64, like as a bundle, as a set. Yeah, I think that's how mine came too. That was a great. That was like F Zero and Star Wars combined. Did you ever perfect. see the arcade version of that game uh, with like the pod that you sat in and you had the two? throttles on either side and you could control them both with your hand oh it was so much fun i've seen it i want to say i've played it that i mean i I can picture what you're talking about in my mind so i know i've seen it and it would be i would be foolish to think that i'd seen it and not actually played it but yeah that's that's awesome but landon you've got a few more years on me than i do so (laughs) i know you've probably got an older game you know mine's probably going to be super star wars that was kind of my first foray into star wars games and what what a what an entrance it was that is one of the hardest games i've ever played i still can't beat it to this day yeah i just don't have a lot of experience with it but i've heard and i know if rob were here he'd give us like all the specs on it because he's got them all somewhere stored up in, in his memory but i've heard it's just one of the best games that was ever made for those early systems uh, i think star wars. my oldest was and I'm trying to find its name now, and I think it may have just been called Star Wars, but it came out for the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, and it was like a Metroid clone where you played as – it was either Han Solo or Luke in a metroid environment. And I clearly remember – I actually think it was a NES game. Yeah, just called Star Wars, and it got ported over to Game Boy because this is definitely mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. And I just remember it being insanely difficult and getting – frustrated at it and not playing it for a month and then coming back because I love Star Wars and trying it again and then throwing it away again. But that was that was a it was a decent game. I'll say it's decent. <laughs> yeah. That's not my earliest game. I 
I don't remember any games on Game Boy that I played that were Star Wars related. But if I had to go back to my earliest Star Wars game, I, I mentioned the N64 game, but I that had to have come out in 99 because that's when, or, or later, because that's when, of course, Episode 1 came out. So my earliest game would have had to have been one of the DOS or, or Microsoft games for PC from the early 90s. And I also, I clearly remember, and I think this was like a Burger King special, but... Or maybe we got it like a thrift store or something like that, or you know somebody went out, yeah, just to one of those open air markets and found it. But it was this little handheld. It only played this one Star Wars game, and it was a, uh, it was like a Tie Fighter game, but it was so hard to control mm-hmm. that you couldn't actually do anything. <laughs> like you'd kill the first two or three NPCs, but there was no way to dodge bullets, and they all had just perfect accuracy. So. You just had to kill them before they shot at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you got to watch out for those. That sounds like it might have been an adaptation it of the DOS game, been. actually. Um, I've never played the DOS game, so I honestly can't <laughs> tell. But it was, I mean, it was like super basic, you know, what you would expect from one of those little handheld things that are usually like Pac-Man or some, you know, like Snake, something super simple. Yeah. Landon and I have talked about the TIE Fighter and X-Wing games, but as I look at the pictures of the game covers, I think the one I had was X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, which was yeah, released that's in 97. The, I think that was the one where they were kind of trying to get into multiplayer, like early multiplayer, like you could go into online lobbies and one group could be the uh, Empire and the other could be the... Uh, rebel alliance and it was it was pretty cool i remember my cousin he was that kid that had like all the games and the best computer and internet and everything and we would play that over at his house on dial up yeah i don't remember much about it but i remember the screen i remember flying and having to worry about you know your shields getting ruined and, and stuff like that if you're flying an x-wing uh but that of course preceded racer by a couple years and if I had to pick a movie game, you guys both mentioned Star Wars or Super Star Wars. I actually had the PC version of The Phantom Menace, which was kind of like, I mean, it was like a PC Star Wars version of like a Legend of Zelda game. You had to kind of puzzle your way through the maps of, of the movie, which was good. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was a bad game by any means. It was definitely... I, a uh, I played direction. a ton of the uh, Clone Wars game, the one that came out after Clone Wars. I think it was only a few years after Phantom Men- the Phantom Menace game came out, where you got to control all the vehicles and then control... It was just you know another standard first-person shooter, but being able to control the vehicles was awesome. And then there were the Jedi maps that were awful... But there were the there were the not Jedi maps that were awesome. <laughs> yeah, and of course we mentioned Rogue Squadron, the game that came out for computer and N sixty four, and then the the subsequent games. Oh, Rogue Squadron! Was oh, such it a really good was. Game. It was so good. It was such a good game, and then they came out with another version of it that was uh, the Naboo Starfighter, the Starfighter yes. series games that were essentially the same thing. You fly ships and. and handle the missions that you would have flown, you know, some of them in space, some of them on, on planets. And, you know, you're destroying TIE fighters, perhaps other buildings, things like that. But it was just a great game. And Jeremy, you mentioned yeah, Clone Wars, Wars game. Clone Wars game. Uh, that was a very similar concept to you. It, like you said, it was kind of a first person shooter with ships and stuff like that, but you also kind of 
with those ships in terms of uh, you were fulfilling a lot of missions very similar to the Rogue Squadron games that preceded them. Those, those were fantastic games. And I have the Clone Wars one uh, for GameCube as well as uh, Rogue Squadron 2 and 3 for GameCube. But even looking at Rogue Squadron 2 and 3, I don't think they touched the original Rogue Squadron. Graphics were better, but gameplay, the, that first Rogue Squadron, those NC24 games. They were good. It had its own little personality, good. too. That's what I like. Yeah, it did. It did. It had its own little quirkiness and flair and fun. I mentioned this game before we started. To Jeremy, I had this one. It was basically, as, as Jeremy indicated, it was an Age of Empires clone. Uh, did you ever play Star Wars? Yes, Galactic I had that. I got that for Christmas when I was, oh gosh, probably about 12 or 13, I think. Oh, that was that a, fun, was such a game. fun game. That was a lot of fun. I think I've still got it somewhere in a closet packed up somewhere. I'd love to get it back out and see if I could still play it on an older computer laptop they, or something. They but, have it on Steam if you ever um, want to download it. I think it's like maybe a couple of bucks now. So... I'm not a, a big PC gamer anymore. What is Steam? Both of y'all have mentioned it to me, so um, I'm curious. It's kind of like a gaming service. Like, what you do is they have the games, have a price listed on them. You pay the price, and you have that game tied to your Steam account. So matter no matter what computer you go to, if you log in under your Steam account, you can re-download the game to that computer, and it's yours forever. Is Steam uh, a subscription? It's a one-time, one-time account. account there are some games that require a subscription, but most of them are just like, you know, you went into a to a brick-and-mortar store and bought a, a copy of the game and put it on your computer, and instead of just having physical media, it downloads it directly to your hard drive. Yeah, cool. there, there is no okay. cost to get into Steam, to create an account, to download the client, and get it running on your computer. That's all free. They make all their money from selling these games. So only the games cost money. Yeah. Mm. So you can you can go on and I've I've just pulled up the Steam store, and there's a just looking for Star Wars. There's a ton of games on here. Uh, 17 pages with, I think it's 15 to 20 results per page. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. Good deal. So yeah, yeah, if if you want games on your computer, go use Steam. There are other services like it, but Steam is the best. Steam is good. Steam is the best. Well, listeners, we, we of course, as I always throw this out there, we do not make any money for endorsing any programs or organizations like Steam. But if you are interested in playing some of the games that we're talking about today, uh, or if you just want to go back and play them again on a new platform or whatever, uh, it sounds like Steam might be the way to go and probably be joining me because I might be doing that here in the next few weeks or months it might be might be a good way to play some of these games that i've missed or want to give another shot at this is a corellian yt 1300 freighter i don't know where this ship came from but it is not within the set parameters for a civilian transport it has been illegally modified with two quad guns one mounted cannon several escape pods a completely new sublight engine several stealth and communications jamming additions and a large secret cargo area. Not the prettiest ship, but an excellent choice if you were a smuggler. All right, I think it's safe to say we would be fools to not start talking at least a little bit about Knights of the Old Republic. I agree with that, yes. <laughs> There's one game that definitely made a huge contribution to the expanded universe and the gaming world it was 
in all for all intents and purposes, I want to say it was probably the first major RPG in the Star Wars universe. Would I be wrong to say that? I don't believe you would. Because uh, I mean, and it was. Let's see. According to Wikipedia, which is debatable as far as its reliability, so let's look at the actual game. Let's see. Originally released, uh, copyrighted 2003. Uh, so they were right. The graphics were, were great for their time. You could choose your own path, light side or dark side. You picked your character. You followed this storyline that took place in the Old Republic. Um, I mean, it was it was an awesome game. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming both of you have played it. Am I, am I correct in that assumption before we go forward? Yes. I am ashamed to say that I have not. Um, ooh. <sighs> Going, you even have it on yeah, Steam? Yeah, going back to Steam, I have both Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2, and they are both on my download list <laughs> so that I can play them because they look amazing. But I They're also available for free on Kindles if you have an Amazon account. Ooh. Um, it's called the Amazon Underground thing, uh, where you know Amazon picks certain applications that they'll sell you for free. You can download the entire Knights of the Old Republic game for free on your Kindle. That's pretty cool. The downside of it is, of course, if your Kindle doesn't have a lot of memory, it pretty much zaps the entire memory because it's a obviously a, a rather expansive game. I downloaded it and then took it off after a while because I, I couldn't do anything with <laughs> my Kindle. <laughs> I couldn't even read comics. I was like, well, never mind. I remember when this came out, I was at Western – and I had a fairly, you know, they they make you, they made us buy computers back in the day, so I had a fairly decent computer. And this game was so graphically intense, it would slow down in the middle of fights. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it it was just an awesome game. Jeremy, you've got to you got to take some time and, and play it. It'll take you a lot of hours. But basically, it, it starts out. You choose, obviously, like most other RPGs, you choose the the class of character you're going to be, which, what did you usually pick, Landon? Oh, I normally pick Scout or Scoundrel, one of the two. I I was never really big onto the Soldier. Nope, I think I was almost always Scoundrel. I don't think I ever picked anything else, because I was a Han Solo (laughs) fan. I mean, I'll I'll be a Scoundrel. So you you click, you, you choose one of those particular classifications, and then from there, you're thrown into the story which is, you know, you're on a Republic ship and you're being forced onto a planet called Terrace. And from there, you're trying to explore the above city, the below city. And I mean, it just, it takes you all across the galaxy. You visit lots of planets, including Tatooine and Dantooine and Kashyyyk. Um, I mean, it's just, it's an awesome game. It's got a lot going on. It really does. You know, Korriban, I always like to go into Korriban, the home planet of the Sith in that game. That was always fun. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that planet. And there's the one that was a completely underwater. I, can't, I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember that? it. That's where you got a. I think his name was Jolie Bindo in your party. If you did a, if you did the right path. Yeah, I hate that level. <laughs> I hate that level. See, I put so many hours in. I had, I think, that planet and and the Sith planet left. That was it. I'd beat all the others. I'd done everything else. And there's a point in that board where. You're supposed to – you've got this guy on the other side of a force field who's mentally unstable, and he says, oh, I'm going to blow up the entire building. <laughs> and you have to break through the force field and stop the computer from self-destructing. Uh, and I didn't know that the way to do that was to like slash it with a lightsaber. Uh-huh. 
So my solution was, well, if I run out of the building, it won't blow up. So I ran out of the building and it auto-saved. Oh. And it's on a timer. So now you can run into the building. I've still got it saved on my Xbox. I could go back and play the same level again. And you have like three seconds (laughs) before the entire building was, and you die. But of course, it goes to your last save when you die. And my last save is three seconds before it blows up again. So it's like, I'm stuck. I can't, I can never go back and beat that level. And I've never, to this day, I've never actually beat the original Night's Old Republic because I was so angry (laughs) at that particular part of the game. And I'm like, I I put so many hours into getting to this planet. I don't want to put all that many hours just to do it again. Um, But someday I will. I've, I've started a couple of other rounds and I've made it to two or three planets in since then trying to of course replay it for for this podcast and for others but uh anyway uh, if you ever get to the water planet jeremy slash the force field with your lightsaber it'll save you so much heartache i'll try to remember that we tried to figure that out for so long because the way we had it in our suite, one guy had it on Xbox and a bunch of us had it on computer. And we kind of used the Xbox as kind of like the, the community game where we're all like, no, pick this path. No, do this. No, do this. And <laughs> I'll never forget one of our suite mates basically failed out of school because of this game because he would like stay up to like three or four o'clock in the morning playing Nights of the Old Republic, miss going to class wake up around noon and pick right back up with the Knights of the Old Republic. I'm like, dude, you're going to fail out. And sure enough, he did. (laughs) I can imagine it would do it. So it's an addicting game. And something that a lot of people don't know about it is the backbone, the combat system, and the the force power system is based on Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I mean, that's the, like, original (laughs) RPG, is it not? It is. Like, you can pull up. There's a way you can do it on the I know on the PC version, but it shows when you attack, it's like your character rolls a twenty, attack successful, or your character rolls a one, attack repelled. It, it's really cool. Huh. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's a great game. Arguably, probably one of my favorite games of all of the Star Wars games is Knights of the Old Republic. I just have so many memories playing that game, good mm-hmm. and bad. It, it's just a great game. Another game I wanted to mention, this is an honorable mention for me. I don't know if either of you ever played it. It came out for, I know it came out for Nintendo GameCube, because that's where I have it. Uh, Let me see, I'm going to check uh, this amazingly resourceful Wikipedia article for, did either of you ever play Star Wars Bounty Hunter, the, the background game of Jango Fett? Oh, I remember when this game came out. Because I remember wanting it, but I didn't play it. I've got it for GameCube. It's That's where I've got it. You know, I'm not a real big fan of it. As much as I, I like the Jango Fett and the Boba Fett characters, I wasn't a real big fan of that game for some reason. I couldn't get into it. It, it took, I mean, I never, let me, I'm trying to think how to word this. 
I like the premise of the game. You know, you're a bounty hunter. You get the opportunity to kind of take on that role. But it's a very slow game. Yeah. I never beat it. I got to, again, I got to a certain level that got was really hard. Played it a lot. Got frustrated. Probably gave up on it. Went back to it. Still couldn't beat it. And then, of course, eventually, just I grew out of it. You know, you, you get old. Yep. You run out of time to put, you know, hours upon hours into video games at some point in your life. But I liked it. It was an okay game. Like I said, it gets an honorable mention for me. It's not my favorite game by any means, but the premise of it was really good. It was it was a neat concept to start out with. I just feel like it could have moved a little bit quicker. There could have been a little less. I'm trying to think of how to word it. Drudgery. Yeah. (laughs) See, I imagine like a modern day version of that being similar to the uh, Assassin's Creed games where you're kind of sent out to do these bounty missions. And I think that could be a that could be a lot of fun. I'd love to see him to see him make another game like that. It would have to be better than that one in my I I don't know. I just couldn't get into this one, but I think that's a great idea to kind of treat it like an Assassin's Creed game. Maybe maybe taking like the Darth Vader storyline that that takes up these comics and and approaching it from that particular perspective. That would be a good way to do it. Yeah kind of a backstory for that because and i think really the problem is the character itself as much as we like to think that Django fett was this awesome character he really didn't get a big it's kind of like phasma in the new series it's like there was so much potential there and, and then it just kind of fizzled out real quick yeah so i think bounty hunter tried to build the awesomeness of the Django fett character in the expanded universe or in the gaming world whatever how you even look at it that they just couldn't achieve on the screen in the movie. And I don't, I just, you know, it was good, but it, it wasn't as good as it could have been. And it did not do what they were really trying to do. I don't think. I can agree with that assessment. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about this one? This one was a 1996 release, Nintendo 64. I've played it, but I never owned it. I think I rented it from Blockbuster, which, which shows my age. Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. That sounds familiar. Let me look that up real quick. Oh, it's an older game. It's a good one. It came out for N64, Windows, uh, PC. It, it's a it's an expanded universe game based on a book uh, where you're in the game, you're Dash Rendar, I believe, isn't it? Yep, Dash Rendar, Han Solo's smuggling friend. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of fills this whole backstory. I mean, it's great. It's a... It was an awesome game. That one and, oh, what was the other game that was another N64 game that was came out about the same time? Mm. Dark Forces? Is that what I'm thinking of? It may have been. Dark Forces was the, uh, let's see, it was the one that was kind of like Doom. You were a stormtrooper. Yes, I believe you were. A, you were like a rogue stormtrooper. Yeah, um, I think it was Dark Forces. That one was another good game. And then, uh, yeah, it came out for Mac. And then that one led to Dark Forces 2, which had uh, Kyle Katarn in it. Yeah, Kyle Katarn. Um, these, are, these are just great games. Now, you you were a big fan of the Jedi Knight Academy. Yeah. Was it Academy or Outcast? Which one was yours? I liked both of them, actually. I think I like Outcast just a little bit better for the story in it because it's about how Kyle Katarn kind of shut himself off from the Force to avoid, you know, being tempted to the dark side. And it's basically about how 
he realizes, hey, I have this gift. I have to help people and rescue people with it. And it's basically his quest to make right about a villain. I'm trying to think of the villain's name now. I think his name was Dasan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he was going to the Valley of the Jedi to like try to make clones that were infused with the Force or something like that. Right. I had Jedi Academy, and I think I bought it late. Like, got it discounted one time just because it was like, oh, okay, I'll play it. It's a Star Wars game. Uh, so it was Kyle Katarn's training, I believe. Yeah. Like, actually going to the Academy and kind of doing it. So I didn't get that second half of the story, but I know the I know the plot because it does make some connections universally within the expanded universe. Speaking on Jedi Academy, I got the opportunity to watch it being played through when I was watching the Awesome Games Done Quick 2018 charity marathon. Um, it's a mm-hmm. collaboration of speedrunners, so people that are trying to play through these games as fast as possible that... They do one in at the beginning of the year in January and another one in July um, called Summer Games Done Quick. And they played Jedi Knight Academy in that. And they beat it in 44 minutes and 11 seconds. And wow. it is it is mind-boggling Man. to watch these guys play these games. I mean, they just they break them, essentially. Wow. And, of course, they've got a bunch of different categories, but I think this one was just any percent. So it doesn't matter what you do, so long as you don't physically break or you know hack the game using outside tools so if there's a glitch in the game you can exploit it all you want and it's just get to the end of the game as fast as possible and it's it's mind-blowing to watch them do it so i, I recommend if you got 44 minutes and 11 seconds of spare time <laughs> go go watch them play that because it'll it'll blow your mind i bet it would because uh I, the, there was a multiplayer in the academy game too but I remember that storyline, and I know I couldn't have done it in 44 minutes. Um, I can't beat any game in 44 minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe Minesweeper. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, what about? Are there any other games that stick out to you guys? Uh, something that we haven't mentioned that you certainly want to throw in there? Hmm. As far as first-person shooters go, I really liked Republic Commando. It was. Now, is that the one that you and I were talking about, Jeremy, earlier? Yeah, I've actually... Um, I, I do believe that it is, because it's one that I have on my Steam library. And I, it, I've i got a couple Star Wars games in my library that I've just never played before, and that's on that list. So I was interested well, to see if it was any good. And it sounds like it is. So it is. I'll have to pick yeah, it up. Sounds and... like it is. Landed. Why don't you tell us? It about is. It? It's uh, basically it's set during the Clone Wars after uh, Attack of the Clones, and you're part of a clone commando unit who are uh, kind of like the special forces, and it's you and three other clones, and you play the leader of the group. And the cool thing about this one is, is instead of just going in and shooting everything mindlessly, you can say, okay, sniper, get up there. Demolitions, get at the door. You, be ready for assault, and I'm going to kick the door in. Like, you can issue, like, it's kind of like Rainbow Six in that in that way. You can set up. I was about to ask. That sounds like Like, you can Six set three. up certain clones to do certain things. Or you can just go in, you know, guns blazing and have everybody do their own thing and a lot of times that'll get you killed. So it's kind of one of those where it's got 
action, but at the same time, you kind of got to think, okay, I need to position him here because his armor's weak and his health is low, but he has a really good gun. Cool. That sounds like an awesome game. I wish I had played that. It's a fun game, and it starts kind of just right after uh, the battle and attack of the clones because the first part of the game, you're fighting uh, the bugs, the Genotians, I guess. They call them the bugs in the game. Yeah. They call them the bugs that they're going to go on a bug hunt. But yeah, nice. that's that's a pretty cool game, and it kind of is neat because you have one gun the whole game, but you have attachments that you can put on it to turn it into different guns. Like when you find the sniper attachment, you can turn your assault rifle into a sniper rifle with like two little clicks of the gun, then you can turn it into a pistol and into a shotgun and then into like a grenade launcher. But it's all the same gun. It's just different parts that you find throughout the levels to put on it. Wow. That's impressive. It's cool. Yeah, I, I've never played that game. It's a good... That was like a cool game. It looks... So what did you play it on, PC? played I'm it guessing? on PC. Um, first time I ever played it, though, it was on the original Xbox. It was really good on that, too. Yeah, it looks like it would be a good Xbox game. Um, and it's listed as Xbox and, and PC. So I wonder if I might be able to find it for Xbox, you know, digging through some classic games. You stores. probably could. I think wow. they... I want to say they released it as one of those platinum hits where it's like 20 bucks, so you could probably find it fairly cheap. There you go. Amazon, check it out. Uh, (laughs) I think I might actually, through Steam, I think you can share games with family, (laughs) quote-unquote. And I'd I'd have to figure it out. I remember reading about it somewhere, so I might be able to share my library out so that you could install it on your computer and and play it. If it's a little bit older, I think just about any computer would be able to play it. Uh. Mine's a couple years old. It's not too bad. I bought it while I was in grad school, but I don't know how good it would be with gaming. It's not exactly the fanciest of computers. So let's see here. Have any of you ever played the Lego Star Wars games? Oh, yes. Yes. I, love I actually, <laughs> when you first uh, asked me if I wanted to be in this podcast, the first thing I did was find the copy of Lego Star Wars. Oh, I don't remember which edition it is, but it's the original trilogy for PlayStation Portable, and I popped it in and started playing it again. And um, honestly, I didn't I didn't remember how much of a grind it was, but it was fun. I had a lot of fun. Like it's just this lighthearted little Star Wars game, <laughs> and it's just fun. Like it. Yeah. It's hard for me to say that because a lot of games these days, the, especially the ones that I play, are either really competitive or they have really specific goals, so they're super difficult. And it's been a long time since I've just sat down and played a game that was fun for the sake of being fun. It's not too challenging. You know, there's nobody else in there to compete with you. You've just got a percent counter that tells you how far you've gotten in the game and a bunch of stuff to collect. And it was yeah. it's really nice. It is. It was a fun game. Uh, I have it for... I have the original Star Wars one, which I think... Let me look back. I think it's actually the prequel trilogy. But it might be all the... Yeah. It's episodes 1, 2, and 3. Um, it was released in 2001. Uh, so... But I remember the concept. It's just, you know, playing this... Playing your way through the movies, collecting Lego bricks, and I mean, it, it was just a lot of fun. You're right; that's the best word for it. Fun. Yeah. 
gotta love those Lego games. Uh, let's see, was it Star Wars? Lego Star Wars 2, was that actually the original trilogy? I think so. Let's scroll down the Wikipedia article here and see. <laughs> yeah, because the one, the one that I have is the original trilogy, so it's 4, 5, and 6. Yes. Lego Star Wars 2 was the original trilogy. Lego Star Wars, the original Lego Star Wars, which they say 2005, but the version I have for GameCube was released in... Well, it says 2000. There it is. It says 2005 is the prequel trilogy. And then they've got Clone Wars, and then there's Lego Force Awakens, so you know, of course, they'll do a Lego Last Jedi here soon <laughs> uh, for somebody. Uh, I did try the Yoda Chronicles one time. It was a mobile game uh, for your phone or device. I didn't really like it as much. Of course, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the mobile games, mostly because they take up so much room on your phone. Uh, yeah, I tend to be really particular about those kind of games because a lot of them follow, especially if they're free to play, a lot of them just follow that. You're either going to wait a really long time to do anything or you're going to put in $3,000 if you want to do this in a reasonable amount of time. And uh, right. so you end up playing it for a month and you're like i've gotten nowhere and you put it down and it always kind of yeah. leaves a bad taste in your mouth so i try to avoid those at I all agree. costs because i'm like i'm not i'm not going to do this to myself and i'm not gonna be mad at star wars over a decision some game company made because i don't like this particular style of game that and gameplay for mobile devices almost every star wars game requires the ability to use either a blaster or a lightsaber and touchscreens just aren't the best, <laughs> you know, method of employing those particular tools. You need something to push or trigger or something. You know, I've I, I found very few games on phones or tablets to, to really be as accommodating. Uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game was the closest, I think, to, to working on a tablet. And another reason I got rid of it on the Kindle was just because I didn't, you know, I was like, I have this on my Xbox, and I'd much rather use my Xbox to actually play it. You know, I can use the joysticks. I can you know, push buttons and pull triggers and stuff like that. All right, well, I was going to take a moment here, and feel free to step in and, and say a couple things if, if they strike your fancy. Uh, we mentioned that Knights of the Republic, or KOTOR, was obviously by itself a contributor to the Expanded Universe. I did want to point out that some of the games that uh, existed, and in fact many of them, uh, have some sort of either contribution to the Expanded Universe or are just continuations of the original movies, uh, kind of filling in some of the gaps. The Rogue Squadron games... Are, are a good example of that. Uh, a lot of those games kind of stepped in to fill gaps between moments in the movie or even between movies uh, with missions that they would have to accomplish or you would have to play in order to fulfill. So to give you an example, and I believe it's Rogue Squadron 3, which is titled Rebel Strike for Nintendo GameCube and I'm sure a few other systems, the first mission that you actually play is you, you start out with fleeing, I think, Yavin. Uh, four and it's just you know you're defending the Death Star's been destroyed and you're defending you know the transports that are trying to get away from some of the remaining 
Imperial ships that were around that got mad that the Death Star blew up and they just decided to go and attack Yavin 4 and shoot up as much as they could before they got blown up. That kind of thing. So a lot of times it's just kind of filling in those particular gaps. Of course, the gameplay for those is that you earn medals for better stats as far as kills and, and not dying and things like that. But I did want to point out that Rogue Squadron 3 in particular actually involves a particular character which whose name is Tycho I think it's Kwiku, um, which is a connection to the X-Wing series by Michael A. Stackpole and Aaron Alston, who wrote a lot of X-Wing books that tied in, apparently, to the Rogue Squadron games, which is an, a nice connection there. And, of course, uh, we mentioned that Bounty Hunter was kind of your backstory of Jango Fett. The Kyle Katarn backstory for the Jedi Knight games obviously gives you the opportunity to learn about some new Jedi characters in Luke Skywalker's Academy. Are there any other games that you guys can think of that made some sort of contribution or connection to any of the movies or expanded universe? Hmm. Um, Shadows of the Empire, but of course it was its own series, so that was really the only one I could think of, only other one. Uh, well, you had the DOS yeah. games too, didn't you? Yeah, that's true. Do you want to talk about those for a second uh, as far as their connection there, Landon? Sure. So some of the, the older DOS games, a lot of them were what they call space flight sims. Um, those are your games kind of like Wing Commander, and that's really the only other one at the time. Uh, but Star Wars early 90s came out. Um, the first one in that series was X-Wing. And what was really cool about it was not only did you have the joystick, you know, that you could fly around with and shoot your lasers and all that, but you had a keyboard, if you had the manual for the book uh, that came with the game, you had certain keys that did things like F9. You could uh, divert more power from your engine to your shields, or you could hit F10 and divert it from your engine to your uh, blasters, or you could just divert all of your power to the engine and try to outrun the guy. But the cool thing about these games were, especially on a on X-Wing, if you got shot down, you had a cinematic of your guy being taken to an Imperial uh, slave camp. And depending on how well you did before you got shot down, you would either get uh, broken out and you could continue your game, or you just got a game over and you died in the in the slave camp for the Imperials. But these kind of all take place, I think X-Wing takes place right after the Battle of Yavin 4, and you're just a, a nameless recruit who has joined up with the Rebel Alliance because you're tired of the Empire's tyranny. Yeah. And then you've got the uh, the TIE Fighter series, which is very similar, um, except this time you're playing the, the Empire and the opening crawl, the opening Star Wars crawl, is based around the Empire, and it's like says things like, "As a uh, newly recruited Tie pilot, it is your honor and your privilege to bring justice and safety to your new Empire and defeat those rebels who are trying to destabilize everything the Emperor and the Empire have worked for." And you know, you start out, you fly a couple of missions. Uh, they they start getting really hard about mission four. I know on that because I can't get past mission four on that one, but the story kind of starts going into the empires developed a cloaking device and it's kind of experimental and Thrawn has uh, just been promoted to grand admiral 
or an admiral, excuse me. And he is wanting to get his hands on that cloaking device. And there's some, some inner turmoil going on. This is all after uh, the battle of Hoth because of the first mission in that game, you're flying a TIE fighter inspecting ships in the Hoth system, looking for any rebels who may have left the planet. And if you find them, you know, you shoot them down and, and take them, you can take them hostage or whatever, because there's a, another element in this game where you get direct orders from the emperor himself, and they may be in contradiction to your commanding officer's orders. So you kind of have to play that fine line of doing what your commanding officer tells you, but also keeping the emperor appeased as well. You know, your commanding officer may say, you have to shoot down this shuttle full of rebel officers, and the emperor's agent will come by and say, the emperor would prefer that you just disable the ship and we will send a spy team in to capture these officers for interrogation. So it, it kind of plays into that, but it plays all the way up uh, after Hoth. It, I think that it ends about halfway through empire strikes back. So, I mean, it's kind of a three or four month time period in the star Wars story, but the, the main part of it is, is you're introduced to grand admiral Thrawn you know, this was kind of after the Timothy Zahn books had came out, the Thrawn trilogy. And if, if you had the CD version, right. you got to hear the deep voice Thrawn who talked like this all the time. Very, very enunciated. <laughs> but he uh, he kind of starts, you kind of see that Thrawn got to his position by kind of being underhanded and stabbing other officers who were his equals in the back and taking their their fleets for their commands from them. So it's a really cool game. Um, I do know that Thrawn sets uh, the guy who is one of your command, your one of your original commanding officers up. He puts the uh, prototype stealth generator on a shuttle and they've armed it with a bomb in case the rebels steal it. So they can't have the stealth generator. And he says, Oh, or Captain So-and-So has that on his shuttle. He said something about defecting to the Rebels when in reality he didn't, and they blow him up. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, Thrawn, it's kinda, it kind of paints him as that smart tactician who would do anything to get ahead. Yeah. Well, he was ruthless, as we've seen in all the other versions of Thrawn. Especially the Rebels. Which yeah. Is, I think the last one's coming up this Friday, maybe? Uh, well, is it the last episode or is it the new season? Or the th- new, the new half of the season. I think it's the last episode. I've heard the final. They said oh, they, wow. they're calling it the final, the final episode, and it's supposed to be a long one. Okay. See, I mean, the Disney Now app took down all the previous seasons. Ooh. Like I was still halfway through season three, and I can't finish it. I'm like, no. <gasps> I was very upset because I'm I'm so I'm a season and a half behind in Rebels and I was uh, uh, they took it down so I, w- I figured they were going to wait until after they rebooted you know this last episode or I thought it was going to be you know they had a few more episodes left and they took a winter break and they were going to kind of have this finale set up this last little bit for the next few episodes I don't know but hopefully whenever they release that episode they'll put all the back episodes back up so you can catch up again. Maybe to build suspense, they took it all down. That would be nice. Yeah, because I am i was not caught up yet, and I was working my way there as fast as I could. I was going to spend a lot of time over Christmas break watching it, and it went down. I was like, no, that was when I was going to watch it. 
Mm. But anyway. Well, uh, we talked a lot about video games tonight. Uh, are there any uh, other uh, comments or games that you guys, uh, guys would like to give a, a mention to before uh, we start to, to close up? I don't have anything else to say. I feel like I've beat a dead horse with the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. Well, we've, we've covered yeah. a lot of ground, too. I mean, we've we've covered a lot of games. Yeah, I'll quickly mention in passing, because I think it's worth the mention, the MMO that came out. I think it's just called The Old Republic, was if you want to experience kind of getting really getting to create your own character in the extended Star Wars universe, that's the way to do it. If, you, if you're willing to spend the amount of time to do it, um, I played with a couple of years ago and created a – it was a Jedi uh, – I can't remember the uh, – the type of Jedi, but it was one that specialized in using the Force, and it was like a support character. And just being able to, you know, create your own lightsaber and kind of experience that growth as uh, becoming an actual Jedi was was really cool. So I'd, I'd recommend it if you're if you're looking to get into something like that. Cool. Before we finish up, we did have a couple comments. I posted this, of course, on Facebook back in the middle of January and asked that anybody had anything they wanted to contribute, they could. Of course, I posted a picture of pretty much all of my GameCube and Xbox games uh, as our, our tagline or, or attraction for people making comments. Um, and Christopher Carlson commented that that's a lot of good games. Well, I appreciate that, Christopher. They are a lot of good games. Um, Stephen Michael had a comment as far as a memory. He said, I have a really fond memories of playing uh, Star Wars Episode One: Racer and Shadows of the Empire. I got them both for Christmas from William Holdway. I used to play the Racer constantly, and I believe I beat it as an early teen. I didn't beat Shadows, though. I think I got to about the IG-88 battle. I need to go back and play those again soon. Definitely great games. I hope they hold up. And I think, as we've indicated, uh, those are probably favorites of, of anybody that's played them. Uh, so they definitely hold up in our eyes there, Stephen Michael. Um, and then uh, Drew Dotson posted that he did not see Knights of the Old Republic 2 in my collection, and that is true. I've never actually played Knights of the Old Republic 2. I don't own it, and we didn't really talk about it much, but I don't think uh, – I didn't play it. Did, did you ever play Knights of the Old Republic 2, Landon? I did. Um, I couldn't get into it as much as I could one for some reason. I mean I like the fact that you get your uh, Jedi powers a lot sooner in that one than you do in – the original Knights of the Old Republic, but I've always, I don't know, like I'll play it and I'm like, I should really be playing the first Knights of the Old Republic to try to get some backstory on this one that I might, you know, miss. So that's, that's really the only reason I haven't played that one much. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know a lot about it. I know it was probably a good one. And of course it preceded the Old Republic MMO that, that Jeremy just mentioned. Um, all of which I think give you, kind of the the grander story of the old republic as far as knights of the old republic and the the mmo itself but uh, no i just I, I don't think um i think i'm sure it's a great game i just haven't we just don't have a lot of experience with it but anyway guys thank you so much for doing this with me uh like i said if you've got anything else to say we'll, we'll certainly have a couple of uh, last comments here 
But this was a lot of fun. It was nice to kind of relive some of these old games. Uh, I distinctly remember a lot of, of, of different maps and things like that, and it, this helped to kind of spark some of those memories. Um, so, Jeremy and Landon, if we were to sign off on this X-Wing and a TIE Fighter, Knights of the Old Republic-themed episode, uh, what kind of blue milk would we leave with? Hmm. Hmm. How about the uh, blue milk that Luke had in uh, The Last Jedi? <laughs> the sea creature milk. <laughs> the, yeah. We'll, the green we'll milk. We'll call it <laughs> fresh. Fresh milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, we can do that. So, uh, well, before we do, any last comments as far as uh, uh, gaming or anything like that? Guys, my co- comment for me is just that if you haven't had a chance, Play some of these games, get a feel for them yourself, and, you know, just go out there and have a good time. What about y'all? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've got access to a couple of them now. I may put a bit of money into them. There are resources out there like Steam and um, the site Great Old Games where you can find a lot of those older games for real cheap and get out there and play them. Yeah. Good deal. And just keep an eye out. Like, if you do want to play them on uh, steaming great old games, like uh, Jeremy said, sometimes when you're snooping around the internet, they'll run specials where you can buy like 10 games for $4, which is how I got a lot of mine. I caught them on a special. And they usually do that around a couple of weeks before a Star Wars movie's released. So when the Han Solo movie gets ready to come out, be checking because they'll uh, usually run a special on some of the games. Yeah, check out. Um, and by the time I edit and release this, we'll be <laughs> Check out uh, Humble Bundle around then. I, I yes. guarantee you they will do a Star Wars bundle, and it's usually something like for $5, you get titles one through five. For $10, add another three titles. And for $20, add another three titles to that. So for 20 bucks, you can get like 10, 15 great games. And they're really cool about it, so it's it's definitely worth the money if you get the opportunity. Good deal. Well, guys, um, listeners, thank you for, for following along with us as we reminisced on some old video games and talked about some ones maybe we want to start playing a little bit more. And uh, we'll, of course, check in with you again here soon. We've got, uh, on Star Wars Times, we've got some great episodes coming up. I think it's safe for Landon and I to announce now that one of our next episodes will be an interview with another great Star Wars author, Miss Beth Revis. And then I think shortly after that, we'll probably do a review of Rebel Rising. And, and, you know, of course, we've got a lot of other things going on. But thanks again for listening. And here's to hoping you enjoy your fresh glass of blue sea green sea cow <laughs> milk. Compliments of Luke Skywalker, fresh glass. He offers it up to you, you know, right there in the middle of the episode. So, we hope you enjoy your fresh glass of fresh blue milk. <laughs> May the force be with you. See y'all. Talk to you later. Alright. Okay. No. Let's say did I lead you guys? Instantly save. There we go. All right. Well, that'll be fun. Um, that's. I mean, it's just a good kind of.
kind of shooting the breeze episode. We got to talk about a lot of fun stuff. Thanks for the yeah. pictures you sent, Jeremy. That picture of the pod racer game is awesome. Yeah, that's that's it. I remember that. <laughs> uh, you can play as Anakin Orsibolba. Oh, that was such it was such a good game. Like I just I even remember just uh like you you got a chance to build up your pod if you did the uh the campaign mode, but I never believe we got very far in it because we kept destroying yeah. the pod, and then we had to spend all our money re- like re- repairing it. Yeah. Oh, I remember that game. It was such a fun game. I want to go back and play it. I think I have my N64 somewhere at my parents' house. I went looking for it over Christmas, and I couldn't find it. So I'm tempted to go look for it again. Um, and if I find it, I know I've got that game. I want. Mm-hmm. I just want to play that game again. I've- uh, that's such a fun game. Um, cause that'll be that's Saturday. Oh wow! Wow, that's that's only a few days away. Crap! <laughs> uh, I've got to get questions together. Oh man, I do too. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give you some very specific instructions. What I'm about to tell you. When I come you. up for your wedding, I expect this ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we should yeah. that'll be our bachelor party. We'll play that. This is actually how the bachelor party went for uh, for my wedding. Is uh, him showing up with a laptop that had every single Nintendo 64 game ever made installed on an on an emulator, and we played that all night. Nice. Yeah. That would be fun. That's that's some fun gaming. I'll tell you what, N64 was an underappreciated system, as I look back on it. It got a lot of flack because of the design of the controller, which I'll admit was strange. But, I mean, there were some mm-hmm. such great games on that system. Yeah. Such great. I mean, Rogue Squadron, uh, Super Smash Brothers, uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and... Um, oh, Lord, what was this? Yeah, Majora's the Mask. The, the Mask. Majora's Mask. Wave Racer 64, Super Mario yes. 64, uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day, all the Rareware games, uh, Banjo Kazooie and Tui. Yes. Banjo Kazooie. Oh my god. Beetle Adventure Racing, I love that one. Oh, yeah. And, I, and, and of course, StarCraft 64, I mentioned that one earlier uh, to Jeremy, um, which was, you know, a Blizzard based game. <laughs> oh, so many good games. Oh, yeah. Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim, the original one. Gosh, that takes that me back. That was such a good game. Yeah, it was. That's, I mean, it was such a good system. I mean, all of those classic systems had great games, but for N64 was probably like, it was my system. I had an NES. My brother and I shared it, and then my brother got a PlayStation, and I wanted the Nintendo 64. That was my system. I was like, no, this is this is mine. And to this day, that is still like, oh, my heart melts for that system. It makes me happy. So here's here's one mind-boggling, or uh, uh, one last mind-boggle for the night. In the speedrunning community, they, of course, Mario 64 is wildly popular. If you remember, you needed to have 70 stars to get up to... Uh, Bowser up on the third floor, right? So they mm-hmm. have, what's that, one, two, three, four main categories of the game. 
120 star, which is collecting them all. 70 star, getting just enough stars to get to Bowser. 16 star, where you only collect 16 stars. Um, and then you cheat your way to Bowser, basically, by breaking the game. And zero star, where you get no stars. You just flip through a bunch of walls, get your way up to Bowser, and beat him. It takes about wow. 15 minutes. <laughs> huh. That's uh, awesome. I don't know. I, I some, couldn't do it. I, some of the ways they break though. games, like they found out that in the original Pokemon, so Pokemon Red or Blue, if you turn off the game console, like right after it gives you control, you save. In the middle of it saving, you turn the game console off and turn it back on. It breaks your inventory. You can literally write code to the game and set the location just outside your your mother's house to be the end of the game. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know that. They can do it in under a minute. <laughs> I didn't either. It's crazy. I knew. That's unbelievable. So, Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off, and go help take care of a sick baby. Uh, but thanks for recording with me, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this like I always do, and we'll try to start out. Awesome.